Hey you, it's me, Danny, and you've tuned in to I'm Just Saying, where I get out here on these internet streets and find hot topics for us to discuss. Now are you ready to jump in? I know I am. Let's go. There we go. Thank hey, you, Hey, yes. <laughs> okay, after several attempts, here we are. Hello. Okay, guys, so, you know, I'm out here on these internet streets, and it is time for the next episode of I Want to Fix My Life, which just came on last night, and so this is a two-parter, and this is just part one of two, which is um, the one about the um, ex-felons, female ex-felons that were there, so... I thought maybe not for no other reason but that um, <laughs> we've been on the phone all weekend. I thought maybe we should um, let Summer come in on this conversation again. Now, Summer ain't never been a felon. Um, Close, but but go ahead. <laughs> there was that Easter um, <laughs> that Easter weekend fiasco um, years ago. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. Easter weekend fiasco <laughs> years ago, but... yeah, man. <laughs> we won't talk about that. <sighs> we don't want to talk about any of that. That was twenty. <laughs> if you want to let your let your record show, that was twenty years ago. Yeah, that was twenty years ago, child. It was rough days, but um, <laughs> but Jesus, I... we made it. Guess what, y'all? I made it. I'm doing good. Look at this, sitting on the bed, not on a Glow not up. in the cell. The glow up is real. We'll talk about. <laughs> matter of fact, we're gonna talk about it when I when we get off the phone. <laughs> okay, we can do that. Um, before we get into all of that, though, let me just start off with the business and let everybody know. Thank you for being here, and also, if you're listening and you're new, welcome. Um, welcome, guys. Welcome all the new people. Um, only thing I ask is that you hit the subscribe button if you have not already, and you know, if you're listening through iTunes, especially, write a review down at the bottom. I know you like it here, so why don't you tell other people in case they're looking for something new to listen to, like you did when you got here. Yes. I okay. We can um, get right on into this one. Summer, you did watch the episode, correct? I sure did. Matter of fact, I watched it. If you didn't, right? I've watched it twice. <laughs> Oh, look at that. I just took notes on the first one. So we we working out real good right now. Matter of fact, hold on, y'all. Let me put it on as we are talking. I'm going to pull it up. up. Okay, here we go. Okay, so Summer likes to tell people when things come on and whatnot. So you can go ahead on and do that. Okay, perfect. Ayanla Fix My Life comes on Saturdays on OWN at 9 o'clock. Yes, 9 p.m. 9 so, p.m. Eastern you know, Standard that's, Time. That's what my Saturdays look like. Don't it sound um, fly up in this piece? Anybody want to date me, you need to know that um, I need to be able to watch my own. I only so that I can talk to the good people. But if you're out there and you feel like you want to date me, you might want to have to do a um, own station and chill with me on a Saturday. Right, because I just want to let everyone night. know that in the next couple of weeks, Danielle and I will actually be um, together in person yes. together. And we have some things planned for her. Because and it's my birthday. It's her birthday that Saturday, actually. And I'm trying to tell her, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. And she's like, 
Well, I might have to get you or my other best friend to bring their laptop because we're going to have to take a pause <laughs> at night, y'all. We out of town. I just want to just let the record. We ain't going to tell me where we at. I'm dedicated to town. my people. I'm dedicated, dedicated to my people But we're out of town, now. and she's like, wait a minute. We're going to have to stop all of that. I don't care what y'all doing, but now we got to pause. So I just want to let you know that um, we will be pausing. So we can. It'll I just don't have to be late nights and early mornings. Okay, I didn't know that's we all. Recording. I didn't know if we was recording too, because y'all get to see all the everything, all of the activities. If that's yes, if you're on the social media, you'll be able to see some activities. Um, so yes, I'm definitely dedicated to you guys. So nine o'clock on nine o'clock on Saturday evenings. Um, this is what my Saturday looks like. Not that I'm complaining because. One, I love what I do. And two, nobody's asking me to do anything else anyway. Them DMs is mad full, uh, uh, empty. So, you know, won't got to worry about it. <laughs> so, let's get into this. We have the three women, um, Matilda, Brandy, and I can't, I think her name is Ty E. Yes. Ty E. Um, all were in the same prison. And so they kind of um, created a family amongst themselves. Yes. And Matilda being the mom because she's um, she's 50 something years old. 65. Okay, 65 years old. And then Brandy and Tai being more of her, you know, finger quotes, children inside the prison. Because they felt that, of course, you become so disconnected from your real bloodline, your real family, when you're in, um, when you go away, that now that they are now in prison, they actually made, you know, a family with inside the prison. So, yes, Matilda was in there for 10 years, but then there was one girl who had no, been in prison. No, Matilda, well, I'm, I'm Matilda sorry, she did was in there. 20. She, she was did sentenced 20. to 30, and she yes. did 20. She did 20, and then the other girls, I think they came and met her, like one was like four years in, and the other one was three, and they really feel, they really look at themselves as family. Yeah, now they still because, call her mom. Mm-hmm. They still call her mom. Because there's the, the, she can relate. So, let's let's talk about this. Brandy and Tai both were dating drug dealers and um, both also had children by drug dealers. Mm-hmm. Brandy was also raised by a drug dealer. So right. Brandy whole life was just drug dealers. Tai dated drug dealers and they both kind of had their doors kicked in. You know, that, whole, that old um, iced tea colors five in the morning um you know scenario way back in the day when they used to take the battle realm and smash the doors in at 5 a.m they still kind of come through the door in the early morning because that's when they figure drug dealers are sleeping so that's what happened to both of these girls now both times the man that they were dating was not in their house for either one of these girls he was not there but um, they definitely were able to, you know, that was the experience that they had. And um, Brandy got 10 years on a drug charge and Ty got five years for conspiracy to deal drugs. Isn't that I, sad, guys? Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? Now, it is very sad because I think that, one, a lot of girls who 
date drug dealers. They do not, um, they don't anticipate what all the issues could be that come along with it. Oh, absolutely not. So, you know, whatever comes along with dating a drug dealer, all they know is that they're going to get, you know, fly clothes. If they, you know, dating a, a drug dealer. It, well, I was going to say if they're dating the right one, but there ain't no right drug dealer. But if you're dating a higher-up drug dealer, you're going to go on some trips. You know, you might even get a car. All of that. Your hair stay done, nails stay done, all of that kind of stuff. Um, the coldest so, winter ever out here. The, well, of course. And so a lot of the girls, they just see all of that. And um, even Brandy was saying she went to private schools. She had, you know, the best of everything. Her mother was a stay-at-home mom. Right. So she had a mom in the house all the time. And so she, they, that's what you see. You don't understand. And there's not much conversation. And I, you know, I'm just believing that there ain't a group of drug dealer women hanging out together trying to discuss you know, drug dealer first wives' lives. Um, so there's not a lot of discussion going on about what can happen if you and or your man get arrested. So Very then, true. you know, and so they're both in prison. Now, Matilda has a different story. Matilda was a grown woman who had, she keeps saying 10, but it, the story come out that she actually had 12 children. Um, she had 12 children. Her, at least old, two of her older boys started selling drugs. And Matilda was saying that they were selling drugs to help take care of the family. The boys right. got arrested at some point and they wanted Matilda to testify against her boys. And she would not testify testify against them. So then she became a part of the conspiracy as well. And they took her. And she got... 365 months which turns out to be about 30 years in prison lord have mercy yes jesus so um she did 20 of the 10 of the 30 um and so these now are women who have not been out of jail too long now like they're they're kind of new to the new world and um so this is about them and this journey that they now need in this to transition, take. yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so T, uh, what is it? Ty, 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 yeah, Ty. She was saying how when she when she got arrested, she was at home. They kicked in the door. The police did. The police busted in, but they were in the bed. Ty thought that the door was being busted by some people who were against her boyfriend. So some rival drug dealers or whatever. So she jumps up thinking that she'll take the brunt of whatever they trying to give so that the, the intruders won't touch her children, which is part of the game. Like you, you kind of know that there's going to be people who's going to come for your man. If you know, you got a drug dealer, man. And so what she was saying was, okay, the people are here. My man ain't here. Do whatever you're going to do to me. Just leave my children alone. Kids alone. But it ended up being the police. When the police, you know, came in and whatever, she told her kids she would be back. Her son's birthday party was that night. 
she told the police that she would be back. She wasn't back for two weeks. So the the little boy, you know, was mad at her because she missed his birthday party. Of course. She now is saying um, she was also pregnant at the time. So, you know, this is one of those things. And the two weeks is probably because they had to figure out a way to get the money up to get her out. Um, because you can't use the drug money. So you got to wait for your mama or your cousin or one of your best friends to use their boyfriend's drug money to get you out of jail. All of, everybody got to pool together their money so it can be showed on paper that this is where you got the money from for your boyfriend to turn back around and give everybody back their money. But then you got to wait right, for that's how to get the, paid on Friday. That's how the game goes. So um, she had to wait the two weeks to make it look like the money was coming. You know, mama was doing it, whatever. Whoever got her out, she came out. She was convicted, um, you know, and then when she was convicted, she was given the opportunity by the, dr- the the judge to be able to have her baby outside of prison, and then she had to turn herself in. Now, I don't know anybody who gave birth and then had to go had to go to prison, but I knew I do know someone who gave birth and her husband had to go to prison. That man had to go to prison day two. Like the baby was born on Monday, Tuesday he needed to be at the jail, mm. um, turning himself in. So. I would venture to say that you have a baby. They usually send you home within two days. Well, she no, probably they, she said that she had a month. Oh, I thought she had a month until she was giving birth. Mm-mm, she she got it. She had a month after. Okay, well at least she got the month because you know some the the guys they go in. You don't, you saw it is here. Carry yourself and to jail. I think that that was only for the baby's sake because you know with the world now being so into this whole breastfeeding and nutrients and all of that type of stuff I think they only did that because of those um, those things not really because of her I think they probably did it more because of the baby but I, I commend the judge and I thank the judge even though we don't know who this is for saying We'll let you have your baby. Apparently, they, they knew the six weeks. They might yeah, have the six weeks. They she knew that it. she was not a threat to right. society, so that's why they did that. So you know that was a good thing. Um, Brandy, I mean, and, and Tai also was saying that she was raised in a drug family too. So that means that there were some other people in her family that were either drug dealers or dating drug dealers as well. It wasn't just her. Mm-hmm. Um, then Brandy said that her boyfriend was on the run already. He was already, he knew that the people, he said, you know, the fuzz is, you know, the fuzz is getting close. So, <laughs> not the fuzz, the fuzz. So, when the police showed up at her house, she called her dad. And her dad told her, oh, well, as long as they knocking, they ain't kicking the doors in. I mean, they ain't got no warrant. Don't answer so don't the door. Open the door. And that's how they found out that her dad was a drug dealer herself because Ayala was like, how did he even know that? Because most people just be like, it's the police. Um, and then they open the door when you don't um, have to. Now, we ain't trying to give no advice to anybody because don't tell nobody that we said that you don't got to do many things. I don't know. I never dated it. Okay, everybody just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, though. I don't know any of this stuff. First but, hand. Um, but 
Brandy said her dad told her not to open the door. Um, eventually, of course, she did get arrested. Um, they didn't say if they found anything in her house or anything, but she was just saying, you know, because her whole family was like it was, there, again, wasn't no consequences to the lifestyle. Um, and also, Ayala started bringing up to all, all of them, like, did you not think about what they were, you know, putting into the community? And they all were like, no, I didn't. I didn't think about, you know, what they were putting into the community and I think that girls who date drug dealers get this bad stigma but there's also like those women who date men in those fortune 500 companies who start stealing from the company you're not thinking about the uh, 401ks that this money is coming out of the people you know down at the bottom you just you're in your own world your world when you're dating a drug dealer your world don't have nothing to do with drug users. Your world has to do with you and the lifestyle in which he can provide for you. You don't see drug. If you're a girlfriend of a drug dealer, you don't see drug addicts. You usually don't live in a neighborhood where it's, you know, drug infested. You usually don't hang out with people who are drug addicts. Now, a lot of people sometimes, you know, back in the day, especially if you dated a um, drug dealer, you or some of your friends could have been on like cocaine or something. Right. Same as the people who were like out on the block trying to buy vows for five dollars. So to ask them if they thought about what was going into the community, it was it really and honestly it was going into a community that they didn't have any connection to, most likely. Absolutely. Um and so no they weren't thinking about it in that way. And a lot of us do that. We don't think about what you know the trickle down is of what we're getting we we live life and if our life seems well we don't think daily about what that does to the other people who could be affected by how we are able to live the life we live right I mean because you know we are um a man versus food type of society right right so we think about us Oh, yeah, we definitely do. We don't start thinking about what's happening over here and who can't get, you know, and all of those things. We're not thinking about that. So I think that it, I don't think that it was fair to ask them if they were thinking about that because typically that's not what happens. So, no. True. Um, Matilda has been stuck on this whole thing of I never sold drugs. I just took the money from my boys. Now, she said she knew she was taking drug money, but that she basically she felt like I'm desperate. And then there came this thing that is one of the beautiful things that I think happens so much in life. Matilda was like to Ayala, well, I don't know about you, um, but I went, I've gone to bed hungry. And I only had to say me too, because a lot of times we get in this thing where we see people in a certain place and we assume that they have been in that place they hold entire lives. Exactly. And we don't understand that there is always growth for most people, especially black people, where there's a lot of growth that has to come. And so just because you see me here on a TV show today doesn't mean that I, you know, never slept you know, never slept with a drug dealer or that I've never been hungry or that I've had no money or that I had to look at my kids and be like, I don't even know about these lights up in here. 
because you see me here today. Well, what Ayala was trying to say is I'm trying to help you understand that I've been there in some of the places that you have been. Right. And so there's a possibility for you to not live in that space anymore. So Matilda's, you know, she's been living this whole thing. If you go to prison for 20 years after you spend a good, let's just say five years. Yes. Of your life um, living with the drug money. I'll say, I'll give her five. I don't know how long her boys were selling drugs, but I'm just going to say at the least five. So you live five years of your life accepting drug money to take care of your kids. And then you spend another 20, 22 years. You know, it takes forever people to get a child and go to court. You spend another 20, 22 years, you know, justifying the fact that you did what you did because you felt like you needed to. Well, your you felt, story. Right. You, you're saying like I didn't know what else to do and now at this point not even I just did what I had to do and that's it that's just how well, be, she yeah, looks because your it. story has to be this is what I had to do you have to rationalize it in your head somehow and I think that she has definitely been rationalizing in her head that this was out of necessity it was not because I wanted to I didn't have a family meeting with my 27 kids and say you know hey y'all we need money who trying to get out there on the block it wasn't that but once her boys living in a house with 12 kids probably you know, whatever, whatever reason she's saying 10. So let's give her the 10. Living in the house with eight other kids and you can see that your mom, Matilda worked. You can see that your mom worked and the stuff just ain't meeting up. We ain't, we, it just ain't, it ain't meeting up. Boys in the hood, there is a group of them who will believe that it's men. All I got to do is go out here right quick make a couple dollars. That's it. When it's not, it really isn't as complicated as people may think it is. It's, it is easier than some people think it is, but it's not as easy as society want to make it seem. It's not like it's just a bunch of, you know, cracked out people sleeping on the floor uh, with pallets on the floor and then they just roll out and just be like, I'm going to sell crack tomorrow. And then they know where to find people (laughs) to sell crack. Right. Exactly. Now, in the 80s, there really were literally people standing on the corners. And so I guess 20 years ago, it still would have put her out almost the 2000s, which still would have meant that there wasn't as many people still on the block. So per se, you know what I mean? So then I would have to put her at, at like maybe 95 when they started doing this and people was still in the white tees in 95. So I'll say that they was probably on the block making a couple dollars. Um, for her to have received 30 years, they weren't on the block long. The oh, block ab- don't get you 30 years. No, absolutely You got to have some weight. So they had to have been a connect. Now we talking a lot of, <laughs> we talking some drug conversation, but the, um, the new word is the plug. The plug. Um, you know, so you got to be the plug or the connect to, to, to pull that kind of time. For her, when they knew she did not 
actually sell drugs to act to get a 30-year charge. That means them boys got a hefty little bit of uh time on their hands. And so they had to have been a pub. So True. she was getting some good money coming in there. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't think it was some, she was, it was um, pricey. It was some big dollars. Yeah, absolutely. Um but Matilda had to at some point she just she had to justify this. I was doing what I needed to do for my kids. In her mind, she has been feeding herself the story that my kids would not have survived if it wasn't for that fact. My kids would not have survived if it wasn't for the fact that my boys doing what they needed to do to help with the family the way we needed it to be. But that's not the truth. And Ayala was trying to say to Matilda that you didn't have to do that. But in her mind, she to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so Ayala was saying that, you know, you spent so much time in jail that, you know, the jail kind of is in you and I'm trying to speak to the life that you can have, not the life that you believe you did have. Um, and so, um, uh, Matilda said, you know, I'm not feeling you right now because you're trying to tell me what was in my heart. And Ayala said, oh, I'm not speaking for your heart. I do not want to speak for your heart, but right now I'm trying to speak for your life. And for me, that was powerful because sometimes we do speak so much about what we feel instead of what we need to know. Or we listen based off of what we feel instead of what we need to know. And Matilda was listening to Ayala based off of what she felt. Yes. And Ayala was like, I'm trying to speak to what you need to know now. That now you need to know. Because it goes into that, you know, when you know better, you do better um, phrase. And so now you need to know that you could, there was, there, there was another way. But you didn't know better then. But you need to know better now. Yes. And so I it's and it's hard for her to see that now. She still can't see that yet. Right. Um so Ayala started telling them, like, you know, you guys were imprisoned long before you went to jail. Which is why I, Matilda could only see one way because she was really kind of conditioning herself to only see one way, which is, you know, an imprisonment itself. And, um, you know, that's, that was very powerful. And she said, do you still want to do time or do you want to be free? And they were saying, you know, I want to, you know, I want to be free. Of course, everybody say I want to be free, but you don't know how to, if you spend five, 10, 20 years in prison, Saying you want to be free and knowing how to behave as though you are are two separate things. Um, Absolutely. So, Ty was saying that. um, Oh, wait. Matilda was, was talking about her mother, and she said that her mother worked herself to death, and she died at 53. And Matilda was 37 at the time um, that her mother died. And that, you know, I think that also spoke to Matilda about what she wanted to do, you know, and how she could justify taking money and whatnot. Because if your mother dies, because she just keep working and working and working. And a lot of times 
you work so much you can't see the world like you're working for this check to get this money but you're you can't even spend the money on anything um you know that would help it's worthwhile or anything like self-care because you you need to work and there's so many people there's so many people who are picking up extra shifts every other day trying to just live they ain't even trying to do no extra stuff they just trying to make sure all the stuff is done because contrary to what everybody believes you cannot work a nine to five minimum wage even a little bit above minimum wage job and survive in the world anymore no you cannot um, I know that people want to believe that you can, but you cannot. It's hard to do it if you're a single person. But if you have any children, it's damn hard to do. And yes, so there Lord. is a huge community of mothers who work full-time jobs. Yes. And then have to also work another full-time job. But they have children at their home. So then they're not seeing those children because they can't, they need both jobs to make the bills, the ends meet. That's it. And that's exactly what it is. And it's, what yeah, do you ahead. want, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to stay? Sometimes it boils down to, do you want me to stay at home? Cause I can stay at home and do whatever, stay at home or do, or do we need to keep these lights on? And as always, we need to keep the lights on. So right, that because, is just what the hard part about this whole situation is. That That's what becomes hard about it. And so Matilda was saying that her mom did do this. Now, what we also learned was that Matilda's mom had her at a young age um, and then left her with her grandma for her grandma to raise her. Yes. That... Not too long after Matilda was left with her mom, with her grandma, her mom had another child mm-hmm. and her mom raised that child. So Matilda at first was saying that she had a good relationship with her mom and that, you know, she kept saying, like, I know my mom loved me. I know that my mom loved me. She called out to me when she was on her deathbed. Right. And I thought that was such a great point. Because Ayana said at that time, she was like, mm, that's, is that what you think it was? She said that may not be a compliment. That may not be a compliment. I was like, wow, break that down for me and let me understand that. I like that. And so Ayana was trying to explain to her, if somebody didn't get it right and try to get it right with you before they die, and now because they know they in their final moments, they try to call out to you, leaving you, with a misunderstanding of what that call out meant. Mm, yeah. It's not that's not a compliment. That may not be a compliment for you because now you have this feeling of she wanted to say something to me and she never said it. But she had years to say it. 37. And, and chose the last few moments to not even get out and I'm sorry to just keep saying the name that doesn't really mean that they are sorry for it it may not be a compliment that they called out your name now again let me just say this that doesn't mean that I'm saying that everybody who has that situation that's what it is but she is saying you need to think about that 
because if somebody has years to get it right with you and they choose never to get it right with you, if they're calling your name out, that doesn't mean that they, they're getting it right with you. That means that they're letting you know that they know it was wrong with you. But the nothing has been righted. Oh, absolutely true. So, you know, that was, um, I like that she said that. I love that piece right there that she said. I thought that was phenomenal. Um, so, Matilda said that she now, that she um, was 15 when she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. When she was 15, she was pregnant by a grown-ass man, and he was 25. Yes. When you are 25. So once, go ahead. And you are sleeping with some kids. You're a pedophile. There is something mentally wrong with you. Absolutely. There is and we some... actually had this conversation yesterday before we did. the show even came on. We did. This conversation about um, some people we once thought we knew when we, when we were people that we didn't know our dad ourselves. We don't know them anymore, just to put that on the record. We don't know them. We don't know them anymore, and we do now know ourselves, which is, yes. you know, thank God for God. Because mm-hmm. when, I, when we knew these people or this person, we were not yet connected with our own selves. I can tell you that I was just I was I was at a point where I was e- right before I was even thinking about starting to get to know who I was. So there definitely wasn't no story to go along. You know, there wasn't no thing to go along with it. I was lost in the sauce. So, you know, but you, a, a girl who's 25, who's sleeping with a man who's, uh, I mean, a girl who's 15 who's sleeping with a man who's 25 now in the streets. That's what we call a girl who's loose. Or nasty. Or dirty. Her mama need to get a... All of these kind of things, right? But a girl who's 15 and she's been connecting herself with a man who's 25 that she can even find herself in places where she could connect herself with a man who's 25. That girl was left and lost long before she got pregnant. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And to hold her responsible for the fact that she got pregnant by a 25-year-old man as if it's her responsibility at 15 to be on birth control and to have control of her thoughts and her mind um, isn't fair. So let's not start thinking in that way. Um, Matilda said she had to admit that she never felt accepted by her mother. And that she was definitely with these older guys because she was looking for a father and someone to love her. Because mm-hmm. at that point, she she probably, and it seems like she felt like anybody, somebody loved me, and you can, I'll give you what you want for that. Right. And, and if a man who's 25 want to be with a girl who's 15, he only here I am. Thing. Absolutely. And what the uh, funny part is, right? And what people don't realize, yeah, she's 15. We want to talk about birth control. We want to talk about this, that, and the other. If you needed it, you should have came to me. All of that type of stuff that people say. But the problem is, y'all, she was just 10 years old five years ago. Right? Right. And she was 10. 
So she's still a baby. And then understand this was 60 years ago. Well, what was this? She was 15. So it was 50 years ago. Okay. That was 50 years ago when she had that baby. Yes, Lord. 50 oh, years well, 50 ago. years ago, yeah. Because she's 65 now. Yeah. That was 50 years ago. So this was in the 60s. So this was in the 60s. When you can't just go to your mama and say, give me the... Um, What's the birth control? Sorry, the shot, the pills, the <laughs> Nuvaring. It don't matter. The birth control. Give me the Nuvaring right quick. I'm feeling a little frisky out here in these streets. This was also doing women's rights. All of these things. And you, you know, you want me to do all of these things. But come on, y'all. And it just doesn't happen that way. It just doesn't. It doesn't happen in this way. Yeah, you still got parents right now still running around and jumping, talking about. I was just gonna say that when I when I got pregnant um, at seventeen, my my one of my best friends had already had a baby. When she had that baby, I remember that she wanted birth control, and she was denied having the birth control because I think parents think that if they tell you no you'll say oh okay I can't have the birth control I won't have sex Yeah, that's not what happens you like oh I can't have the birth control but you know okay. bow chicka wow wow because right. things going down <laughs> so you know but keep on doing it. what I've been doing you could do that then I don't think there were like free clinics in the 60s yeah. so you know hmm she couldn't, none of this stuff was preventable for her. She was getting pregnant. Now, I only said I did the same thing. I got pregnant at 15, at 16. I had my baby at 16. And uh, Matilda said, yeah, I had, I turned 16 three days after I had my baby. So she was 14 when she started having sex. Mm. Now, I'm sitting in my seat. And I'm looking straight ahead because I ain't going to look at nobody about no being young because we don't need to get in everybody's personal business. But it happens a lot more often than you. Oh, absolutely. Than people yeah. want to believe. Okay. Especially for a certain demographic of people. And I'm not saying black people. I'm not saying that demographic is black people because there's a plenty of white kids having babies at the same daggone young age. Turn on MTV and they'll let you see it. Um, but I'm just saying there's a certain demographic of people who are having sex early. Yes. That's not a race thing. That is a... Um, that is a misguided parental thing. I don't want to call it neglect because there's so many reasons why a child would be 11, 12, 13, 14 years old and be having sex um, with people that they don't know and people that they do know at such a young age. Um, there's so many reasons there, you know, there's alcohol, there's drugs, there's work, there's, um, there's everything, um, uh, sexual abuse there, you know, there's mental illnesses. There's a lot of reasons why there, this is happening. So I don't want to, you know, I can't call why somebody would, but I know that there are many reasons why that, you know, 
girls and boys find themselves having sex at young ages. Absolutely. Okay. Um, one of the things, this is, this is interesting. So let's talk about this right quick. So many episodes of Ayanla have these women who had children when they were young and they have never been able to cry and be vulnerable once they've given birth. Mm. Now, I have to say again for my own self, when, when I became a mother, it was always, well, you wanted to have a baby. Well, you wanted to have a baby. Yeah. And so I learned from my first child that I had at 17 that asking for help, saying you need help, speaking about your loneliness, your pain, your misunderstanding of how to be a parent is not welcomed in this environment. People seem to think that you figure it out because you have a baby. As soon as the baby gets there. And it does not happen. No, it doesn't. There is no crying. And there is no... There is no crying. There is no, you know, trying to get sympathy. People just kind of say, you shouldn't have had a baby. Oh, you tired? Oh, well, that's what happened when you have a baby. Oh, you um, wanted to go out and you can't? Oh, well, that's what happened when you have a baby. They don't say, I know, I understand. It is hard. There are days, you know, I understand. Let me take your baby for a day or two to give you rest. No, because for some reason they think that you're going to be out having fun. Having more babies. And the truth be told, I had more babies when nobody had my babies. So all I had to do, all I could do was be in the house and have more babies. So I did have more babies. That's what happened. And I'm only speaking to my story. But um, I, I didn't, because I kept having children, nobody wanted to take two, three, four kids to spend right. the night, you know. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do? You can't go out. Um, the first one they want to kind of, I'm going to say quote unquote, punish you for the fact that you had one and make you be a mother. Nobody teaches you how to be one though. And um, you just kind of get a lot of criticism for what they think you're doing wrong, but nobody kind of tries to pre- warn you about things so that you can get some things right they just kind of sit back and watch you fail yes um and then you get pregnant again and then they're able to talk about you and what you you know how low you are and then there comes a stigma where people like to use you as an example of what bad life is yes and so then they can't help you because then they can't be able to feel better about themselves for not being you if they can figure out how to help you get back up when you're on that level that they're on. And if you're somebody who has had five, six, seven, eight, nine, <laughs> ten babies, people are not trying to help you. No, they are not. They're talking about you. Now, y'all need to be honest out here. You know there's some of y'all who have been like, she got five kids. Oh, my God. I can't she pregnant again. She's pregnant again. Who's the daddy now? All of that stuff happened. Y'all judge it. 
Y'all are judging. Every day. And you, Every day. And you know you judge it. But behind your judgment is a woman who is embarrassed already and she don't need you to say nothing about her. She feel a way about herself already. Which is why she got kids by these different people. Because she already feel a way about herself. And it ain't high. She don't need your words. But you give them to her anyway. Hmm. You know, and she got it now. She already got the words that she feed herself. And now she got yours. Yeah, she yep. got the words of the men that she didn't had kids with that then came and gone. And she got the words of some people who in her family, if they still talking to her, she got the words of those people too. So my advice would be to just keep that to yourself. If you're not going to be quiet. Because she's been the low longer is, than, than before she the got poor to woman. The fact is that the woman shamed today, Matilda, because she still wasn't even saying how many kids she had. Yeah, no, they get into that on the second episode, um, the second part, which will be next week. So we'll talk about that then. But she definitely is ashamed of, she said now that she, she was saying that she's not close to her children now, now that she's out, because she, they can't understand her feelings. Now, she says she understands that they can't because they're in their feelings as well, but that doesn't stop the fact that she has feelings. Feelings of guilt, feelings of um, shame, feelings of confusion. She has those feelings already. Don't nobody need nobody to put no more on them. To think that um, words ain't in my head, they are. And she was trying to express that I can't even get close to my children because they feel like I don't feel anything. And I'm trying to tell them I do feel things, but the feelings that I have aren't the ones that you want to accept. Pretty much is what she's saying. You know how people think that, you know, guilt should look away, shame should look away, uh, dishonor should look away, uh, um, sadness should look away, mourning should look away, and it don't for everybody. And if I'm somebody who done spent 20 years in prison, I can't give you the emotion the way you would do it out here in the you know, free world because right. I've had to suck up so much emotion to be able to survive for 20 years in prison. Uh, and so, you know, she just doesn't have the connection. That means she don't have no mama because her mama didn't pass. I'm sure that her grandma didn't already pass. And now she has some children that are out here and we don't really know what is going on with them and then she has some children who are in prison and we don't really know what's going on with them either she got all of that on her heart which is sad on top of the fact of knowing that she did what she thought was right at the time but didn't end up being the right thing in the long run for the lot of her children yes that's a lot right there. We ain't even That's got any nobody else. That's, That's a, lot a lot to have to deal with. And um and I'm not I'm not trying to downplay her children's feelings. I'm just speaking about Matilda. That's so sad. 
so let's jump into Brandy right quick. And this is one of the things that I didn't like. This interaction I did not like. I told you already, Summer. Yes, you did. Brandy and Ayala are having a conversation. And um, Ayala asked Brandy if she thought she was ever in love with anybody. Or if she was always just with men who would do could do something for her. And Brandy said she felt like she loved her son's father. But that she had to say that um, if a man could take care of her, she would provide herself to him. Mm-hmm. Um, Ayala then started to ask her what makes that different than being a high price call girl and I know that she was trying to prove a point but it didn't come over she, it just didn't I think come she got it wrong mm-hmm. I don't think it was a point she needed to, to prove high price call girls meet up with somebody they provide a service and then those people leave when you are the girlfriend of a drug dealer you meet somebody y'all live in life together and he takes care of you there are many women who are out here again who are married to fortune 500 husbands who don't have to do anything but provide themselves to this man and nobody calling them high high price call girls true I think that it was disrespectful to use that analogy to equate the two because they're not. I don't think that she was a high-priced call girl. I think that she thought because this is the lifestyle that she grew up in because remember, Brandy's father was the drug dealer. True. That because this is the lifestyle that she grew up in, she expected to have the good life like her and her 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 parents did. Mm -hmm. I will be a stay-at-home mom with my children. He Send will run a business. Mm-hmm. My children will go to private school. They will have these, you know, good things. They will have a good life. They will be happy. All of those things. And that is what she thought she was going to have. She to... was just duplicating what she had already had. Right. And it looked like love to her. So, and it may have been love. So to decide that she was selling herself for the life that she wanted. I don't think would be the adequate way to say it. I would say that she was selling her peace to be with that type of a person. We uh, People will sell their peace to, to, to be with a man or a woman that, you know, they shouldn't be with. But they ain't selling their sales. They're not selling their bodies. They're not call girls or gigolos or whatever you want to call it. They're not, that's not what it is. Their hope is that they're going to have a lasting relationship with someone. Call girls don't expect any type of relationship. They know that they know what it what it is. Money on the table. Everybody put their clothes on. It's time to go. True. And yes, there may be times if you're a high price call girl, you may you may get paid to go to a dinner or to go to a function, you know, but you you do not expect to have a real relationship with them. You don't expect to talk about your your dreams and your goals and what you want to do and where you want to go on vacation. If you're a call girl, if a man wants you in, you know, Aruba because he needs somebody on his arm, he don't care whether or not you want to go to Aruba. He wants to, you know, bring you because you, you look good be, on his arm. You better be happy you in Aruba and that's it. 
and talk about the things that I'm going to tell you to talk about. And do, that's not the same lifestyle. So for them to, for her to equate the two, I, I did not like it. I didn't like that that's what she was calling her. I didn't like that's the way she kept on framing it. I was not happy with it. No, and I and because I don't think that's what it was at all. I don't. No, it it really wasn't that. So then we get to one of the most disrespectful things that I will say Ayala has done for me on her shows. Now we didn't seen a lot of stuff happening on Ayala down to Ayala calling Nephi a gutter snipe, which everybody mm. talk about being disrespectful, but the definition was what she was at the time when she said it. Um, for me, the most disrespectful thing she did was to have that man come to the door and read charges for them because the, that was a traumatic experience. And then to recreate that traumatic experience and they had no knowledge of what was happening, I did not like because even when it was happening, one of the girls says, see, that's what I don't like. Just pick, you know, just the knocking and whatnot, not knowing what's going on. I don't like that. Right. And so I feel like she went past the line for me. That's, that's one of the times where I will say that I, I definitely will say that she went past the line. I didn't like it. No. So but, you felt like she just, that, that was too much right there. Yeah, don't be, you know, don't do a thing where my door was kicked in and the police showed up. I got arrested. They hit me with charges and that was traumatic for me. And then do that thing where somebody's banging on the door. Next thing you know, here come a man reading charges off to me. That's That was a traumatic moment for me. We don't need to relive that. Even though you trying to teach a lesson, we didn't need to do that. That's not how this needed to go. For me, I can understand that. I feel yes. like I felt for all of them in that moment because none of them knew what was going on. So even though you had good intentions, I can't hear you giving me charges that mean something for changing my life because all I know is this is a man of authority and now he reading off some stuff that I did that I did. That puts me in worry that somebody is coming to get me for some mess that I don't even know that I'm being held accountable for and so I can't hear you because now I'm starting to go into um I'm starting to have anxiety and or maybe could have gone into panic right it's that fighter it's that fight or flight so now I'm confused I don't know what's going on I'm missing it you over here talking about these are your charges you gonna have to explain to me why I shouldn't convict you I don't want to hear none of these words when we talking about changing my pattern my pattern already been charges and convictions. I don't need to hear those words. Let's use new words. And so I didn't like that. I think that that was wrong. I might have to call her up say, Arnie, you got it wrong. On this one, absolutely. On that one, no. We're not going to do it. So I didn't like that. Um, what she was trying to say was, to the world, you'll always be seen as a felon. Um, you have to defend why you no longer need to be punished. True. 
Ayala, so then they go, you know, day in, they coming back. Ayala asked him about how they slept and everything. Matilda said she went back to the first night she was in prison in her head. She felt like it was the first night that she was in prison. She was confused. She didn't know what was coming up. She was lost. All of those feelings of being overwhelmed and not really realizing how did I get here? Even yes. though I know I don't know, because it's more than just I didn't testify against my boys. It's more than just I was sleeping with a drug dealer. It's more than just, you know, my man was on the run and I was home when they, when they got there. It was more than that. And so Matilda was saying she felt like that. And then Ayala said they all sit like they in prison. Mm-hmm. All scrunched together like they don't have room no, to breathe. Yeah. And they just sitting there, just. Because they didn't even know that they could touch their food. But, you know, something, a lot of people, like, I, I can tell you, like, if I sit down at a table, I'm not going to be the first person to grab some biscuits. Because I don't want nobody to be like, look at her, she greedy. I didn't even say that y'all could start eating yet. So I don't oh, do that either. Let me tell you. So, you know, chunk chunk over here. <laughs> because I know people be expecting to see, like, oh, let's watch how the fat girl eat. I always know don't touch don't touch nothing leave it alone there's a there's a fat girl conditioning that you have to have um as well but this one was different because they can't eat until you know I don't know maybe they couldn't eat until everybody was served and maybe they couldn't eat until there was a bell a whistle blown or you know what I mean maybe there were those kind of things so you don't touch anything because just because something is sitting somewhere don't belong to you don't be touching stuff um one of the things that um brandy said and this is a thing i don't think we all think about either especially people who have like family who went to prison and been there for a long time and then they start talking about like oh when they come out i'm going uh, 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 uh." brandy was saying that you know when we're in prison there is a certain time every day when they count us all so when she got out of prison, she, when that certain time of the day came up, she felt wrong and, and, and um, non-compliant because you have to be up and in that line to be counted. And because now she just because she doesn't have to be doesn't mean that she didn't feel the need to be. Yes. Right. Um, I remember with the Khalif Broadus story um and then there was another story and I don't remember this person's name but they were saying that when they came home from prison they still kind of lived in a small part of their room they didn't use the whole room because they weren't used to having that much room and that kind of seemed like disorder to be you know in so much space there was one person that I saw on some kind of documentary or something that I saw and the man was saying that he felt more comfortable in his closet, in his house, in his room, because that was about as much space as he had in prison. And so he liked to sit in, in the closet for sometimes during the day. And people had to start telling him, like, you don't have to wait for somebody to come tell you to come out that closet. You can just be out. Also, it has to be overwhelming when you have spent 10 years in prison and and even 20 and technology has passed you back. Yes. Okay, I re- still remember a friend of mine had a guy go to jail. When he went to jail, DVDs were mad expensive and nobody really had them. We knew they existed, right? 
but they were like it was like good to twelve hundred dollars to get a DVD player back then. He went to jail, and I think he was only in jail for like three years. By that time, everybody was buying buying DVD players from the Walmart for like six or seven dollars. <laughs> so when he came home and she had a DVD player at her house, he was flipping out like you spent thousands of dollars on a DVD player and you couldn't put more money on my books. And she was like, I spent $60 on this thing. And I probably didn't even spend the whole 60. It probably was on sale. I probably spent like $40 on this thing. But right. You can get a DVD know. player now for $20. You can, you, but you you're get right. a DVD player for like $22 at the family dollar now. Like, you know, oh, they, yeah, they are at the family dollar. They got yes, the Lord. family dollar now. So, um, yeah. It, the technology changes so much. Like, think about what computers were back then. Like, when you go into prison and computers were the old ones with the uh, floppy disk. And, you know, you may have gone in before there was even the internet. And now you come out and everything is run by the Wi-Fi. If you don't got the Wi-Fi, I don't even know what to tell you what to do because there's so much, you know, running around by the Wi-Fi. So... You have to understand what Wi-Fi is. You have to get a cell phone. You know, there aren't house phones anymore. You know, it's a lot to learn. So to come out and think that you just because you're out, you're quote unquote regular. That don't happen. No, it does not. Um, so, you know, um, then we get into um, baby girl saying that she wanted to be an obstetrician. Ayana was asking them, what did you want to be? What did you want to be when you was growing up? What did you want to be? And we got to uh, you can say her name again, Summer. Tai. Tai. Tai um, saying that she wanted to be a doctor. Obstetrician. And so Ayana said, well, you know, why, why didn't you become a doctor? That is a loaded question in itself from some kids who live in the hood. Um, and to just make it seem so clear, like, oh, well, you know, why didn't you? There's many reasons why somebody won't become a doctor. Forget the drug dealing and whatnot. Let's just talk about the money it costs to go to school as long as it costs to go to school to become a doctor. Everybody don't have it. Let's just be honest. We don't all have it. And so to just give her this little question, like, why didn't you become one? I didn't like it either. I understood what she was trying to do. So um, Tai started to tell her that she did actually get into, accepted into a, a, a fairly good school um, that would have been, you know, a little ways away from where she lived. And she knew that she could manipulate her mother because her mother was on drugs. She could mm-hmm. manipulate her mother into letting her do some things that she wanted to do. And so she manipulated her mother into not letting her, making her go to the other school and letting her go to the local school where all her friends were at. And then understanding that, you know, once she got with her friends, it was easier to do the things that they were all doing and what the neighborhood was doing than it was, you know, would have been for her to go to a new school. When you grow up a certain way and then they tell you that you're smart or, you know, um, creative, creative enough to go to a different school. And then you 
get the courage up, muster up enough courage to actually go and not let your friends and some people in your family talk you into how bad it's going to be to go over to probably the white school and stuff like that. You, It's very difficult to survive in that environment. Absolutely. And if I don't have a lot of people supporting me to get there, it's damn near impossible to do it. Um, I remember when you know, one of my shows now is this show called The Shop that comes on HBO. I only saw one episode, but it was a wonderful episode. But on that episode, LeBron James was speaking about how when he got into high school, he got picked to go to one of those uh, private schools because, you know, a lot of times that's what they do. They take the really good ball players, they take them out of the inner cities, and they take them and put them in these Catholic schools and these private schools so that they can use them to make money while these kids score big numbers for their basketball team. Absolutely. And then that's how they get to the colleges that also use them to make big money while they big put big numbers up on the scoreboard for these high for these college teams. But LeBron was saying that when he got to the school, he didn't know if anybody liked him because he was LeBron. Or if everybody liked him because they anticipated the numbers he was going to do for the school. And then, you know, so he didn't know if any adults were, you know, genuinely cared about him or if um, even any of the kids generally generally cared about him or if they were looking at him like, oh, it's about to be a winner right here. He tall, he black, you know. It was probably a little bit of both. Right. And so he was saying that he was not happy when he first got to school because he didn't know the the um, genuine level of everybody. Um, I know there's another word for that. The sincerity of anybody's um, friendship. friendship. Yes. Right. And, and I can so understand that. If she's a girl who got a, who got who has a mom on crack or whatever she could have been on, which had to be mad high that she could just manipulate her mom and be like, I'm not going to school. And her mom pretty much being like, all right, cool. Um, that means that there are some people other than her mom and her family who ain't champion, championing for her. Absolutely. And then if you have your friends by the neighborhood, like, girl, don't go to that white school. Them kids ain't going to like you. And she's uh, of Spanish descent. I don't know if she's Puerto Rican or Mexican or whatever she may be, but right. she's, she's a but Spanish she is descent. In a, yeah, she's in the Latino family somewhere. Yes. And so, you know, it's not that trusting. And so if she could then just go ahead on and hang out with her friends, it's more comfortable. Even though it wouldn't have been better for her, it's comfortable for her. And don't don't talk about her either because there's so many of y'all that won't step out that comfort zone even though you notice some things that you should be doing and could be doing to better yourself today. So don't speak about this girl who made this choice when she was what, like 14 years old? Yeah, she once again, she was just 10 four years ago. Just 10, still trying to have her mom do her laundry. Yes. You know, so um, in the... Uh, so Ayanna was telling her her dreams were probably in her head too far and too big. And that's why she gave up on them. Because 
you there's so many times when you want to do things um and you have it in your heart and you don't even feel like you can say it out loud to people because people will look at you like hi you you're never going to be <laughs> you're never going to be let's take for example summer here summer is writing a book it's almost done it's called i dream cheer i think she talked about it last time we were here uh she is called I Dream Cheer. It's a beautiful children's book about a little girl named Trilby and the cheer um, cheer team that she is on in the, the cheer dream tumble and tuck city that she lives in in her dream. Um, and so this is something that she has wanted to do. I've known Summer for t- over 20 years. Summer just recently started talking about how she wanted to be an author of a children's book. Because I think when we were the people we were when we were younger, we didn't know that the possibility of doing such things existed for the life that we were coming from. Absolutely. And so at that point, when we met each other, we were seven, we were 18 and 19. Mm-hmm. To be 18 and 19 and, and be looking at our lives like, I ain't about to tell nobody I want to write no daggone children's book. People be like, first of all, I didn't even know you could write. <laughs> even though we weren't, we weren't stupid people, but coming from where you come from, it's like, oh, you know how to write? Hmm. I thought all you know how to do was have a baby. Right. So this girl, Ty, being able, not being able to tell people that she wanted to be a doctor because that just seemed like something crazy to say coming from the environment she came from is not out of the ordinary. Not everybody gets to have a dream. That's the truth. We all have them inside of us, but we don't get to have them acknowledged. I'll say that. We don't all get to have our dreams acknowledged. And I have to say that there was a point when Summer would ask me and other people would ask me, what do you want to do? And I didn't even know because I did not, I felt like the permission to dream was taken from me at a point in my life. Yes. Now, it really was just buried inside of me, but in my in my heart and the way that I felt, it was taken from me. And so I didn't even know how to do it. I, I didn't know how to think in ways of dreaming. I knew how to think in ways of trying to survive. Not even living, but just trying to survive. So this poor child, I only let her cry out for the child who had to lay down her, her dreams to live life. And that's, that's the a, truth. That's a rough place to be. It's a yes. rough place to be. Mm, um, mm, 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 mm. I know. We sad for these little kids right here. I don't know, not one of them. But I'm sad for all three of these girls as the children that live inside of them who were not able to be able to really even be children. Yes. Um, just because we can identify with so much of that. Yes, we can. So sad. Because um, Matilda said she had to die a little bit every day just to live. And I felt that when she said that, um, that you just, there. there's parts of you that you have to let go of. You have to put down. And um, I think that 
it was a good time for Ayala to have said, but she didn't say that the great part about it is that you really didn't die. You just set it down and you can pick those things back up and live at any part of your life. Because I think now I feel like I'm definitely breathing even better than I have been in the past in my life, in my adult life. I'm even talking about my youth. I'm talking about in my adult, legally adult life. I feel like I breathe better now than I did then. Not as good as I could, I can, but better than I did. Uh, So I, and I, you know, there's days when you could just, even for summer, I just be seeing seeing her and talking to her, and I'm like the tone in which she speaks is. And again, we've never been to prison, so I'm I'm not speaking about a prison, but a a, a physical prison. But I am speaking about one that we were in mentally for shit some last years. week. Last week, him. <laughs> I don't. Oh, I try not to cuss on this show. Sorry, y'all. But you <laughs> last know, week, <laughs> I try some not to cuss days, on this. And some days you put yourself back in there, like you know, I, not you, Summer, but like some days. You Me put too, though, back y'all. In there, I'm you in know. there sometimes. You you will put yourself back into the prisons that you kind of lived in because you know those and they're comfortable and it's easy to be there. And um, you know, so you and and then when you have wonderful friends, um, yes, and Lord. um. For some of you, it's beautiful families. Um, you have people who will open that door up for you and say, "You can, you can come on, you can come on out of there. You don't got to be in there. It's, it's okay." And then you come back out. Um, that is true. I mean, some days, guys, I drive my own self to the prison, put on my own jumpsuit, and shut the daggone cell door behind me. Do there are some body days. Cavity search everything yeah and And then then i gotta get i gotta that happens and then i gotta get a friend danielle who will drive down there take time (laughs) out of her day drive down there go through security and pay my bail that i set for my own self Mm. to get me out that's deep and that's the truth that's deep. I'm gonna write that down. That's a thought for the day over on the Instagram. So I might want to get over on the Instagrams because um, I didn't drove. I didn't drove myself there many a time this summer in the last ninety days. Spent the night. Went before the judge. And didn't understand, and would be like, "What well, I don't understand, like you know." I don't understand. I, I'm here, I, and every and I'm saying mm. you could come out of there. And there have been some days when she would be like. I can't come out of here. They sentenced me. And I'm like, no, no, nobody's nobody else is here. But I want to say this. In the past couple of months, especially, let's just go with the past couple of months for me, because I've been trying to do a lot more of, um, you know, more than the podcast. Not that the podcast is not a wonderful thing for me, but I've been trying to branch out and do some more things. I have definitely then again taken that sale and closed it up. Yes. Um, and Summer has had to say to me very recently, get out that daggone sale if you don't come out of there and live. And I would be like, I can't. 
they don't if I come out the electric fence and the gods and the dogs and she like there ain't no dogs I'm standing here there's no guards and, and you like, know I wouldn't be, be you know I wouldn't be here because y'all know <laughs> we're scary in that kind of way um so it's, it's, it's a mental imprisonment that we can all be in. Again, there are times when I tell you guys, all my listeners out there, you don't have to relate to the actual story. But there are many of us who are imprisoning our own selves with our own thoughts and, um, and um, taking and giving ourselves sentences for things that we don't need to be punished for or that we have already paid the price for. And now we are paying it again and again and again because we know how to pay back. We yes. don't know how to continue on. And so we've definitely done this. And so, yes, again, we know how to pay. Person. We know how to pay back. Right. But we haven't right. figured out how to pay it forward. We have not figured out how to pay it forward. And um, because telling the story is very, it's easy to continually, because it's living inside that pain and it's, it's easy to continue to live inside that pain. And then you um, punishing yourself for things that you could, the, the debt has been paid, but you won't let it go and you want to imprison yourself mentally. And sometimes it, it wears on you so that you become physically imprisoned by that thing as well. Absolutely. Um, and so you have to learn how to let some things go or not to, um, sentence yourself to certain things that don't need to happen. Um, let me see what else I got on here. Cause we, we deep up in this piece today. Uh Oh, y'all we deep. <laughs> also, one of the things that happens in Ayala a lot where, where I'm finding is that, there are so many women who are being who are being, who are saying that they have never been taught how to be women. Yes. Um, not taught how to be an adult. Not taught how to think like an adult. And so they get caught up in this girl, this this um, young girl mentality, and they can't move on past it because they don't know where what it looks like to do anything else. There are a lot of uh, men that we know who are the same way who are this young boy mentality and we expect them to be women and men. We expect them to be what we call grown, although nobody has taught them what grown looks like, except that if you're grown, you could go to the club or you could stay out as late as you want to, or you could be with whoever you want to, or, you know, that kind of thing. But their thought process has not changed. It has not matured. And, um, you know, and a lot of people think that being grown means having sex with somebody. And that's yes. not what grown means because, you know, because that's, that's what's said a lot of times. When, when young girls are having sex, they be like, oh, she thinks she grown. So then you equate having sex with being grown. So I think I'm grown because I, I could throw it back, you know. And that's not what it means. Don't throw it back, Summer. I won't. Don't worry about it. Keep the front. <laughs> but that, you know, we get these kind of things where these women are saying that they weren't taught how to be women. Um, and then Ayala said, no one taught you or even told you that your moves could be different or that they could be better. That's true. And that is another thing where if nobody tells you you could do it a different way, 
a lot of people can tell you that you're doing it the wrong way, but they don't tell you what the quote unquote right way is. They'll just point out your flaws. And so if no some and then there are some people who ain't even taught that they're being that they're doing it the wrong way. If everybody around me is kind of doing it this way, is it really wrong around here? You know, and so you can't expect me to know the other way if I see everybody doing it one way. It just happens that you you need to be, these are things you got to do. So if you have some children out there, you have got to talk to them people. They don't just pick it up when they turn 18. You didn't. Be honest. Oh, mm -mm. mm-mm. Some of y'all out here listening did not pick it up because you turned 18. You cannot expect that they just picking it up because you think they see what you're doing because they don't. They don't see it. They make up their own thoughts. You know when you was 15, 16, 17, you had your own thoughts in your head about what you think your mama and your daddy are. And they ain't even that. You know Mm -hmm. that well. They don't really know who you are unless you start telling them because you ain't what they think. You got to teach them some of these things. Some of this being grown and some of this, you know, feelings and emotions. We both had daughters who just had children. There have been times when we had to explain to them some things that we had to learn. And we then have to talk, Summer and I have to talk to each other like, you're just going to have to tell them X, Y, and Z. Because you know it don't be like that. Or you know it's going to be like this. Yes, Lord. And because we know it, we know now that if somebody would have at least warned us about it. So that's what we spend our time now doing with our children. Is to explain something. It's going to look like this. It could look like that. It can feel like this. You will be okay. If yes, you understand will. these things. Yes, but we have will. to teach them how to be able to um, recognize when they're in some situations and to understand how that they can overcome those situations and get past them and not be stuck in them. Ayala also said um, one other, another thing is you can't make up for the time that you lost. No, you can't. That can't that can't happen. The time that you lost, you cannot make up for it. Tai was saying that she keeps on like you know buying things for her children now to try to express her um her guilt for being away from them. But Brandy said that that's how she was brought up by her dad was that he always bought stuff and he certainly didn't teach her not to get into the lifestyle that she got into. So you know that doesn't work. And then Ayala had to tell Matilda, you've been crucifying yourself um, just so that you could keep telling the story. True. I had to do it. I had to do it. My kids need it. I had to do it. You keep putting yourself on the cross. She said, come on down off that cross. We need that wood. A lot of you guys are telling the story over and over and over again. But it's going to get you the same reaction. It's going to get you the same feeling. You are not going to be freed if you keep telling the story, but you're not trying to learn anything from it. That's the truth. So, you know, um, there is a way that you can tell your story to 
to champion yourself and to um, help others to not get to where they are. But you can't do that until you learn the lesson about how and why you ended up in the places that you did. If all you're doing is going, oh, it's bad because I was her and then and I can't. And it's we bad won't. over here, y'all. It's oh, bad. The cup is half empty. You're not trying to you're not trying to heal yourself, let alone anybody else. So um you have to be able to tell the story in a certain way. But if you use in the story to continually make yourself pay for um you know, not not doing anything else, you it's time to stop doing that today. You I'm giving you permission to put the story down and write the next chapter. True. Um, so the moral of this story was that this show was that you can feel bad and do bad, but you can recover from all and anything that you have done um, in life. That there is a recovery road for wherever you have been. It can lead to a recovery street. That's I'm trying truth. to tell you, we haven't said a lot up in here. We have. We did so good today. Didn't we? Trying to we teach did. the people something up well, in these Well, people, streets. we appreciate you listening. Yes. I also do. want to thank my near, dear friend, for real sister, for inviting me on the show. Making all the noise that she could possibly figure out how well, to do it. Well, guess what, today, y'all? So. <laughs> you know, I know any time that I be making noise, I'll be like, what the hell is Summer doing? But I finished my dinner, and just now I was eating Mike and Nikes. Right? So if y'all heard some noise just a little while ago, but I really thought I was being quiet because I was really, I really, guess what, guys? <laughs> for the majority of this whole um, podcast, I've been sitting in the bed, except for a little bit. I did have to make some dinner because I was hungry. We heard you. <laughs> okay, y'all heard me good. See, yes. I knew it. But, but really, I'm gonna I've been keep this. Here. I'm gonna keep this now. Initially, I was like, I might not be able to keep this, but I'm gonna keep it just because we did say some really good things on oh, here. Look, see, see, this um, is what I need for you to do. Don't be having but, me on the show and then you like, oh, I'm gonna throw it away. I'm gonna pray. For, I'm gonna pray on it. I'm gonna pray on it because you know we don't like to have all that noise over here in this oh. in this uh, in this neck of the, uh Well, y'all, the- I hope. I hope y'all hear me because I didn't waste it. Now I'm going to be saying that I didn't waste it an hour and 26 minutes. And Danielle's going to be like, oh, we ain't recording. I didn't get cut from the show, y'all. We'll see what happens. Um, Very sad. I didn't get cut. So I can't even, I ain't even telling y'all about So that's okay. Guys, check us out. We're on um, social media. We are heavy out here in the social media streets. There are so many places that we are at. I, I really, guys, I need you guys to check the description box. Summer's on Twitter at I Dream Cheer. She's at, on um, Instagram as well at, at I Dream Cheer. I am on Twitter and Instagram at um, I'm just, say, uh, just Saying Podcast or IJS Podcast. You can find me out there. It's a picture of me. She keeps those. Um, and um, we're, we're also on Facebook a little bit. 
Um, but just get, you know, check out the social media because we're definitely putting up content all the time. There also is a Just Saying YouTube channel and an I Drink Cheer YouTube channel. That's right, guys. You get to see us live and in person on the TV or your phone or your tablet or however you watch YouTube. Check us out because we're out there putting out content as well. And for you people who are on Spotify, you can now find that Just Saying uh, playlist over there if you just want to get into a nice groove every um, every now and then. Go ahead on and pull that up as well because that just came out. Whoop, 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 whoop. Congratulations um, on that. <laughs> so um, also don't forget Summer's book drops on um, eBooks on September 24th. 24th which is next week guys so yes, you know you're able to jump on that too and do not forget you don't have to take anything I say as fact after all I'm just saying bye guys bye <laughs>